The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good morning, everyone. Good morning to those of you who might be new, welcome. Those of you who might be coming back, welcome. So um, this is our Dharma practice day here at IMC. And uh, these are days uh, on Fridays once a month where we engage in some Dharma topic, some practice topic uh, in a variety of different ways. <clears throat> we do a little bit of meditation. Uh, sometimes there's a little bit of um, guided meditation or reflection like we did. Um, there's a little bit of teaching, usually not a lot of teaching these days. And then uh, a chance to engage uh, in conversation around the topic of the day. And some people find that they have very little chances in their life to uh, explore conversations, meaningful conversations about particular dharma practice topics and it becomes very enriching and very valuable to come here and have these conversations, have these explorations that we have. And uh, it's one of the important ways of practicing Buddhism uh, is to not just do it by reading a book or listening to talks or or meditating on your own but also to um, engage in conversations with other people around the practice, your experience of practice, the topics. And uh, there's something about the processing, understanding, exploring, stretching oneself into these topics that really enriches overall sense of practice. Important part of these days is uh, the fact that we do it in community. So we're doing it together and conversations in different ways. Sometimes you'll have small groups, sometimes uh, have conversations with one other person. Um, and uh, around the different exercises we do. And uh, at lunchtime we can talk and get to know each other more that way informally. And the idea is to also have a sense of being in practitioners in common and sharing the practice and in community. Uh, and that's also been very, a very important part of Buddhist practice. Uh, this year the theme has been um, the mindful approach to ethical ethics, to ethical living. And um, every year there's a theme for these Dharma practice days. And so they usually start in September, October, and we follow the theme. So this is actually the last day of the, this year's series. And, um, and so what I thought we would do today is um, spend the morning a little bit uh, reviewing this concept and what we've been doing this year so far on um, the connection between mindfulness and ethical life. And then uh, in the afternoon, I would introduce the last uh, of the ten-part themes that we're using for this, the ten skillful actions. And uh, we'll talk about right view and how it fits into this concept. And then, um, and then I thought we would do the last, time, last period of the afternoon uh, with maybe more open questions, time for questions, uh, conversations about all this. And, um, both out of the, what came out of today, but also some of you have been doing this all year, and what what kind of what is there to be said or asked as we come to the end of the year, the series. Um, <clears throat> so. 
So um, I wonder if um, maybe it would be interesting to hear from a few of you um, what it was like to do that little reflection on non-harming at the end of that sitting. What came up for you? It would be nice to hear from different voices, so to hear different, you know, different things that came up. And whatever came up, whatever arose for you is fine. Um, it's uh, actually good to get the full, uh, wide range of responses. So I wonder if some people would like to share. safe and um, comfortable, trusting, as though with friends or in nature. So I felt safe and trusting and connected to friends and nature. Great, thank you. Over here with Ellen. Also, it would be nice if I forgot to say, but if you say your name before we you say. Marie. Ellen. Um, it struck me that the concept of not harming, which initially strikes me as being pretty simple, was actually a lot more complicated. Okay, great. So it's a complicated topic. I hope harming is even more complicated. Um, it, what came to mind was how many little things it applies to. And um, I was driving home from the gym yesterday and I decided if I could park near the bagel shop, I would get a bagel, which was fine. But there was nowhere to park. And by the time I could park, I was like, this is ridiculous, you know. I should have just gone home. So, you know, I really reflect on that and I see that was an unnecessary activity, which was really harming for me. So I see it in simple things as well as in larger things. Yeah, great. Your name? I, I'm Mary. Anne. Uh, I, I, the first thing that came up was um, I've been trying to let spiders out of my house. And... Um, I'm finding that it's getting easier, and I think it's easier with it's easier to to practice that kind of non-harming than it is with human beings. Mm. Um, because I'm I'm uncertain with human beings, and and I think if I could live from that place, I would have uh, more inner confidence. Uh, wherever I am mm. because I'm never sure if I'm going to blurt something out that I don't think is a big deal but it is so you know I mean it's it's good to practice with spiders and leave those little creepy crawlies in the house and wonder what they eat and all that kind of stuff because they don't you know I mean I see them happy to be out in the patio or whatever and, but and you're not going to offend them by what you say <laughs> right, right. So I think it would be so peaceful mm. to know how to really live in a non-harming way. Mm, that's a wonderful statement. Thank you. Uh, my name's Steve. Uh, what came up for me in the reflection this morning 
coming from myself. It's the same thing. It's the source of suffering. If I harm someone else, I'm hurting myself. And if I can keep that in mind, it makes me behave myself a little better, I hope. <laughs> Great. That's a, I think that's a profound uh, idea, the inseparability of that, and how we harm others. When we harm others, we harm ourselves. There's a way in which when we harm ourselves, we harm others. It's kind of like we consider our life whole that way. We're all in it together and care for each other together. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you for all that. So, um, <clears throat> the reason to bring up the idea of non-harming, not harming, is that uh, that lies at the foundation of Buddhist ethics. Uh, that's the fundamental principle that um, I think that uh, core principle that uh, is behind it. And that's that principle that I think is useful to use as a guide for ethical evaluations. And um, so, and the more we can understand the nature of non-harming or, or harming, um, you know, it's one thing to know you harm someone else. It's another thing to know you harm yourself in that process. It's one thing to know that you don't want to harm insects. It's another thing to know that you're harming your your relatives by how you speak and you want to be cautious with it. And there's all kinds of ways. Um, but that um, to use non-harming as a guide for our behavior, what we say and do, and to, uh, and to hold it as something very precious and valuable to, to tune in to our life from that point of view, what's harming, what's not harming, what's going on right now, and um, is um, helps ethics become something that is... Um, probably not a good word, but more natural. It's more like uh, it's, it rises from inside the motivation to be ethical because generally, generally, not always, but generally, I think if you really tuned into the, the value of not harming, people don't want to harm. And, um, and, uh, and so that becomes the guideline in Buddhism. So that, that uh, liberates uh, ethics or ethical rules like the precepts from um, being rule-based. You know, there has to be, you know, some external commandments, some, you know, you have to make yourself, there's this, these things are handed to you, don't do these things, and then you have to kind of make yourself fit into the rule as a rote rule, as a kind of just as an abstraction that you're supposed to do, as opposed to thinking of um, the precepts as an expression of non-harming. And we come, we, we come to the precepts naturally if we keep coming back to using non-harming as a reference point. Um, and um, and so that also when you when you look at all the precepts of Buddhism, uh, the um, then the reference point is uh, you know uh, how can we live by this precept so no one gets you know no one gets harmed. The um, so in our speech you know we could say many different things, and you can maybe justify sometimes. Well, that wasn't that was not non-ethical. I wasn't lying. I told the truth. Yeah, but you use the truth as a club. <laughs> You just, you know, told the truth in a way that it's definitely true, but it was actually harmful. You know, you, you kept the precept not to lie, but you, you harmed someone. What you said, you brought something up that was very painful for them. So, um, so I think it's qu- quite uh, profound to use uh, non-harming as a reference point, as a guide. What some teach, Buddhist teachers have pointed out is that the, the reference point of non-harming, the guide of non-harming, 
is not just useful for ethics, but it's useful for following the Buddhist path all the way to its end. Because the Buddhist path itself is meant to bring us to a place of radical non-harming. We don't harm ourselves. Because the upper reaches, as we get closer and closer to you know, the most mature areas of Buddhist practice, um, it can be seen as not that we're trying to become the most enlightened person on our block and get the you know, enlightenment badge. But we're trying to come to uh, some of the most subtle areas, possibilities of non-harming, where the mind has no, so there's no stress. The mind has, you know, when the mind and the heart is profoundly at peace, uh, what it means is it's not, we're not agitated in any kind of way that's causing, it, that's causing the suffering of agitation, suffering of worry or suffering of st- any kind of stress or distress at all. And so the guideline for not causing harms, uh, some teachers have pointed out, can actually be guide a person in meditation practice because you want to to be mindful enough to engage or to let go of those inner activities which are causing distress or stress or problems as you meditate. So the the principle of non-harming is, uh, I think, is a very, very powerful reference point for all of Buddhism. And uh, because of that, I'm very fond of in the ancient Buddhist text that, that describe the characteristic of the Dharma. The Dharma, that the Dharma is characterized by non-harming. And um, so that's kind of nice. That's the primary, if, it's not, if it doesn't involve non-harming, then it's not the Dharma. And that's also meant to be a great protection because not a few people suffer because of their encounter with Buddhism. And uh, which is kind of like, you know, really, that's kind of like, that. what, not what it's for. <laughs> it's supposed to help us not suffer, not suffer because we're practicing. And um, so to hold it lightly, the whole thing. <clears throat> so, um, but the theme for this, this year has been the mindful approach to ethical living. Uh, and the reason for that is connected to this idea of not ha- using precepts or ethics as some external standard that you have to follow these rules and um, external principles, you know, if you're a good Buddhist, this is what you do, and what does Buddhism say about euthanasia? And so you read the manual and it says, you know, whatever it says, do it, don't do it, whatever it says. And uh, well, now I'm I'm Buddhist, so I have to kind of follow the rules. Uh, But rather it's um, uh, not a rule-based approach to ethics, but rather um, uh, an approach to ethics that arises out of being mindful, out of paying careful attention. Uh, sen- sensitive attention to our world. And so how is it that uh, that supports, that mindfulness supports ethics? That's kind of been the theme for this year. So what I thought we'd do, if we can do it for about 10 minutes before we take a break, is um, to hear from some of you. Some of you have been here for the whole year. Some of you uh, maybe new today. Um, you're all welcome to speak if you'd like to say something. But I'd like to hear some of you what... Um, what your thoughts are about how mindfulness supports living ethically. How is it that mindfulness itself is a source of ethics?
accept uh, the ideas like non-harming and right speech uh, and the whole list of things. I know that I'm better off if I practice right speech. But I have to be awake enough as I wander around through the day to keep an eye on my speech and my behavior in general. In short, I need to be aware and mindful so that I practice the things that I claim to believe are the correct way to live. And without some degree of mindfulness, I'm at most success at all. And to the degree that I am mindful, I see bad behavior coming sometimes, or I will recognize that I said or did something, and I can quickly fix it or try. But if I'm wandering around sort of in the dark in a mindful sense, mindless sense, I have no hope. Great answer, thank you. Yes. Does this one work? Okay. Um, I think for me, mindfulness or awareness really supports ethical behavior from an internal place, not from the place of obligation or shoulds, in the sense that the... Um, understanding of cause and effect is much more accessible to me. So there's um, no longer a question often as to whether something should be done or shouldn't be done. The harmful or beneficial effects of even the inclination towards it start to become clear. So it takes it out of the realm of almost morality and into the realm of common sense or embodied sense. So... um, that's not to say that I'm always that mindful, unfortunately. Great, thank you. Steve. Steve. And Catherine. Um, one of the things I'm more aware of is It's probably because the battery is low. Is, um, with my interactions with staff, I manage st- staff, is being um, more attuned or aware of how my words affect them, how I treat people affect others, and that affects me. Um, and one of the things I'm working on is harsh speech. And why am I motivated to get that little zinger in? And what impact does it really have on the individual who I'm talking to? Um, and the um, it, it's making me more conscious of what is happening around me mm. uh, and the impact I'm having on other people in ways that are really profound. And while I'm not clear on my need to get the zinger in yet, um, 
I think it's important to to keep exploring it, and and I catch myself now wanting to say the zinger to the staff member because they forgot for the ten thousandth time to do a certain thing, and I'm pissed that. I don't need to do that. I can be consistently caring and, oh, don't forget to do this. And, nice. you know, and that's where the rubber meets the road for me right now with mindfulness practice is um, really being sensitive to other. And then one other thing that came to mind that I just wanted to mention is many years ago, the Dalai Lama came out to uh, Shoreline and talked about the importance of... Um, dismantling the internal weaponry and that seems to be an important uh, theme with this is that it really starts here and then it can flow out to others the non-harming stance so those are my thoughts great thank you 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 all said a variety of things the three of you spoke but Kind of one of the things that sticks to uh, Steve talked more about the behavior, being mindful to notice his behavior, make choices. Don talked more about the internal sensitivity, and you talked about sensitivity to the consequences with others. And there's a nice kind of sense of completion of those three different areas. Thank you. So, any, anybody else who'd like to say a few things about this? How does mindfulness support ethics? Um, Mary, um, what what mindfulness is doing for me in the last couple of days is is learning um, to be kinder to myself, and um, so um, it's it's really hard, and I don't always believe it, but I I always. When I catch myself, I say, okay, let go of that chatter. Just let go of that chatter. Because it's constant words. And before I know it, I'm in, I'm in there repeating and repeating and repeating things that aren't, aren't really very nice to me or very repetitive where I, I think that that's the only way I can solve that problem. And what it is is digging me deeper. So, so I'm... For me, it has been a, a really concentrated effort to be aware of that internal, I call it chatter, it seems to resonate more with me, to, uh, and just, just say, let it go, let it go, let mm. it go. Don't pay attention to that chatter. And, and it was, I have a very evolved son, <laughs> and he's the one that suggested it to me. I don't talk to myself anymore, Mom. Wow, how do you do that? And so I'm trying it, mm-hmm. and and it's it's really helping. It's Great. really helping. Lovely. Lovely. I like because you spoke earlier too about not saying things out loud to people that could cause harm, and now you're talking about not doing it to yourself internally. Very nice. Over here, maybe this could be the last one. <coughs> It's too bad that this is this is the last one, <laughs> because 
I've been really working this program really hard for about, oh, 14 months. And I'm at, even though I've been meditating for about seven years, and in the mindfulness department, I'm at the stage where I'm mindful of how unethical I am. And, uh, like, I'm not ready to give up not poisoning the snails in my garden because I really like the flowers and it really bothers me to see the snail goop all over them in the morning. And yet I'm really mindful of what I'm doing. And I'm mindful of when I'm, you know, like, I'm just mindful of how, how this is, it's, this is a very painful stage of this program for me. I can understand yeah, and I don't know whether I can um, stay on a path being this uncomfortable with what, I, what I'm seeing about myself. Mm. Uh, and so um, it, it, at this point, it's not raising my ethical standards as much as it's just questioning them. Okay. And I don't know whether... Um, you know, whether I can bring it home. Mm-hmm. Whether I can have enough support with this and work it hard enough and keep it light enough so that I can really begin to get out of this cul-de-sac of of destructive behavior and hit the highway of mindfulness all the way. <laughs> Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And so t- tell me, t- tell me, um, uh, what is it inside of you that wants to do this? What motivates you to want to do this? Independent of that, it's hard. Oh, just a great... Great longing to live peacefully and with ease. Mm. And just with ease and comfort. Well, thank you. So, uh, the, um, uh, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. And so there's a, often a phase, as you're pointing out, where mindfulness highlights things which we'd rather not have to see, are difficult to see and difficult to work with. So uh, what you're describing is a known part of the path. Um, and uh, it's actually better to know that you're unethical than to be unethical and not know it. That you're actually on the right track if you know it, because you can, you can make a difference. And that grappling with this and struggling with it is a noble thing to do. Thank you. So, um, um, I've been wanting to do something like this kind of series on ethics for a long time, but I got a little strong encouragement about a year ago when I went to a conference and I talked to another person who had a similar interest. And the conversation, and back in the background of that, those conversations was a lot of conversations that were being had about 
um, <clears throat> the, the uh, value of what's now called mindfulness-based stress reduction, the John Kabat-Zinn model. Phenomenal uh, uh, way in which mindfulness practice has been secularized in medical clinics around the world and helped people a lot. And um, it's, maybe it's made some of us Buddhists a little bit insecure, right? <laughs> you know, what about us? We're... <laughs> Something. So, 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 uh, and John Kabat-Zinn has a very uh, grand vision of, of how, how effective and how meaningful his, his MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Restructuring Program, is. He, he calls it the universal dharma. And so these poor little Buddhists, you know, who are left in the dust are kind of saying, well, you know, we have something too. You know, wait, wait a minute, this, this is, uh, this is um, um, reductionalistic. You're reducing the, the Buddhism, the dharma is much broader than just the mindfulness. And uh, the people, the most, the, the most common um, critique that people want to make that was more than just mindfulness that's important is that people say, well, there's, uh, what about the ethics? What about, uh, you know, there's no ethics in the mindfulness thing. And, and I think part of his response is it's there, but it's more inherent. It's more comes in directly rather than the direct way of talking about it. And, um, <clears throat> and so... Um, but then it made me wonder if we could have a, you know, his, his program is an eight-week mindfulness-based restructuring program. Can we have an eight-week mindf- uh, ethics, uh, uh, mindfulness-based program for ethics? That would be fun, I thought. That would be nice. But I said, well, I can't call it that, you know, mindfulness-based. That's already taken. And that's, I don't want to, and we're Buddhist, right? So we don't be, you know, it means like we're giving in, <laughs> joining them, right? And just mindfulness-based ethics, you know. Giving up, so <clears throat> so I thought. Let's call it a mindful uh, a mindful approach to ethical living, and uh, and see what that's like to kind of explore the Dharma together that way. So, um, so because I do believe uh, I think that has tremendous value to appreciate the role that mindfulness has for becoming more ethical and having ethical life arise out of that. And as some of you I think have pointed out, or is that. Um, um, it, it becomes a very different internal motivation, a wanting, an inspiration to want to be ethical. That's very different than if it's just rule-based and thou shalt be a certain way. So, um, so that's kind of like, the, you know, this morning we're kind of reviewing the year. So that was kind of like the most foundational review of what we're about this year. And, and then I want to take it to the next step after our break. And um, so we'll take about maybe 15, 20 minutes for a break. Um, and um, there's, you can have tea. You know, if there's, you're new, there's a tea, um, you know, hot water dispenser there and some teas in the drawer. And, and, um, and if you have brought a lunch, you can put it in the refrigerator if you'd like. Or, and um, make yourself at home. Um, Don is the manager for today. If you have any questions about being here, you can check with Don or with me or with almost anyone. If, you, if you're new, you can check with a lot of people here have been here before, so they can answer questions. And you're welcome to talk and hang out for the break. Thank you. <clears throat>